You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. It is time. It is time. They can't be the Packers. No. Are you crazy? You're listening to Cheese and Packers, a project powered by the Packernet Podcast Network. I'm your host, JJ Leahy. Follow me on Twitter at JJLAHEY to stay up to date on all things Packers or to submit questions for this show. Man, what an exhilarating win over the Cowboys. You know what? It doesn't matter what kind of season you're having. And, And this year, there's a lot of questions about what the Packers are capable of accomplishing, uh, questions about what they should be trying to do, should they be trying to tank. These are questions and conversations people are having. Uh, I think that that the outcome of this game provided less clarity. Um, if you are someone who was on the fence of there's not a lot worth redeeming here, it, it really muddied the waters a lot. It doesn't matter what kind of season you're having. A win like that over an opponent you truly hate, man, that gets you going. That had me so up in my feels. Oh, what an exhilarating game. And let me tell you, my (laughs) experience with the game was bonkers because I missed the whole fourth quarter. All right, when I lost uh, TV signal for the game... (laughs) I'm trying to stream it online. I lose I lose internet. We were down 14, and it felt like hopeless. And I finally managed to get my my game back up and running. And we are we are heading into overtime. And I couldn't believe it. I'm like, what? How do we make up 14 points? I had to go back and watch it later and, and see the cool plays I'd missed. But the, the middle of the game that I saw, like, I, I had frustrations with the defense, you know, for, for getting the Cowboys back in that game, giving up 21 straight points. It was it was frustrating. But even so, it was still exciting to see the potential that this team clearly had. And it was cool to see them playing their hearts out against Dallas. And then to all of a sudden be surprised when my internet came back on to see that we were still in the game. And then to win it, oh my gosh, uh, made me think about the Cardinals game last year. That was an exciting, uh, down to the down to the wire finish. Uh, th- this was definitely the closest uh, that you know that I could think of to that game. It also reminded me a bit of the 49ers game in Week Three last year with that exhilarating win. Man, I 
our NFC rivals, the Cowboys, the 49ers, the Seahawks, the Cardinals. Uh, I'm trying to think who else I really desperately hate outside of our division. I think that's about it. I, I still have some lingering hard feelings toward the Falcons, uh, but that's about it. Oh, the Buccaneers. Man, you get an exciting, high-scoring victory over a hated opponent like that. There is not a better feeling in the world. I say all that to paint a picture of where I'm at emotionally, which is I'm very high, very excited. I mean, I, I think the Packers are going to the Super Bowl. That that's That's where my emotions are. And I want to... I want to provide to you that context that I am excited about this win because today's topic is a little, little bit of a uh, maybe a sobering one. I don't want you to think of me as like, you know, the the bad news downer guy. That, that, that's not who I am. And if you've been listening to my podcast for a few years, uh, I've always had a rosier outlook on the Packers than most other commentators. It's been a bad year. What I want to talk about, because I, I can't just structure the content of this podcast to be happy and high and excited after a win and then and then crashing down and depressed after, you know, a, a, during a losing streak. I have to react to what I think the team is as a whole and, you know, try and find that happy medium and balance that out. And I had... A couple different topics I was kicking around with talking about this week. One of those was I was going to do a deep dive on the quarterbacks in this draft class because after the Detroit Lions game, I had everybody messaging me and asking, what can we do to fix quarterback? You know, is Jordan Love the answer? Are we going to have a top three draft pick? All right, this is what people were interested in hearing about a week ago. Rodgers played one of the better games uh, that I have seen from him in a few years. Uh, he he had it, you know, his his entire heart and soul was poured into this game. And you can see it on the, on the plays where he's run blocking for Aaron Jones. He's throwing his $50 million <laughs> shoulder uh, into a defender to uh, break a couple extra yards for Aaron Jones. He wanted to beat Mike McCarthy so bad. And seeing him play like that and realizing, yes, he definitely still has that in him. And seeing how well the offense was humming along, man, not only do I not have any interest in talking about draft quarterbacks today, I don't think anyone wants to listen to that. There may come a time later in the season where that does become appropriate again. Uh, hopefully not. Hopefully we you know, be, become one of the top contenders in the NFC. But... I'm not doing that topic. Not today. The backup topic that I was have, have been kicking around for a while was I wanted to compare how guys' uh, levels of play have changed from 2022 going back to 2021 and see where are the problems coming from on the team. And the more I thought about it, I, I felt like I need to expand it a little bit more than that because... I could just go through the PFF grades and say, okay, well, Aaron Jones has an 
in 2022. Uh, going back to last year, he had an 82. All right, he clearly is not the problem. Who is the problem? And, and you know, point out guys like Elton Jenkins who are struggling. I, I could do that, but that's only a part of the picture. I want to evaluate this football program in three tiers. And I got the idea because I heard Ryan Day, the head coach of Ohio State, talking about how he evaluates problems with his football team, that he evaluates them in three tiers. If he sees a problem, like, for example, their run game has been struggling this year, he evaluates the situation and says, all right, is the problem with the player? Is it with the scheme or is it with the coaching? And when he when he said that, um, I got really excited. I think he was talking to Kirk Herbstreit when he said that. But I got really excited about the idea of evaluating the Packers roster through that lens. So I'm going to, since I'm not a coach, I'm going to try and differentiate what it means when I label a problem as being with the coaching. So we have... You know, is the problem with the player? All right, well, that is a uh, clear and obvious diagnosis. Maybe a guy is, um, you know, has been good in the past, but he's uh, injured right now and just does not have the physical tools at his disposal that he normally does. Maybe a guy is just getting older. Maybe this job is being done by somebody who wasn't here last year and this new person is just not as talented. Maybe the job is being done by a uh, young player who still has some developing to do. So when we're talking about evaluating a problem as being an issue with the player, I think a lot of the time it's easy to assign the blame there to the general manager. There are exceptions. Let's say that you have a position um where and I'm trying, I'm trying to think even even if there is a spot on the roster where this is a perfect example of it. I'm not really sure there is. But let's say you had a room that was actually sufficiently stocked with talent. And then you had so many injuries at that position that you no longer have the required amount of talent. And I would say in that instance, it's not the GM's fault. OK, so if we have, you know, he, he got us three starting quarterbacks, uh, cornerbacks, excuse me. Stokes is done for the year. Let's say that something happened to Jair and now you are left with Rasul Douglas and, you know, Keyshawn Nixon. Look, that's not Brian Gutekind's fault. He got you more starting quality cornerbacks than you actually had spots for to begin the year. And then through the course of uh, catastrophic injuries, now you don't have enough. So that that's a uh, that would be an example of where, yes, it's a player talent issue, but it's not the GM's fault. Most of the time, when it's a talent issue, you probably could point to the GM being uh, responsible. When it comes to the scheme question, I'm lumping in scheme and play calling. And I think that that is important because looking at some of the things that have gone on with the offense, for example, I think that their overall scheme is designed to be very run heavy. And then you look at the play calling well, they're not calling a ton of runs over the course of the season, obviously. I'm, anything I say that you protest and you're like, oh, man, well, they did this just fine against Dallas. Okay, great. It was one game. Hope they keep doing it, but I have to evaluate what we've done over the course of the whole season. 
So uh, coaching to me is a little bit of a difficult area to diagnose because I think this is going to come down to players not understanding their roles. And I think that there are some areas on the roster where you can point to that, where guys don't understand their roles or guys are unprepared. And you could, if you are a a big advocate for the coaches, you could say, okay, well, you know, maybe the coaches are preparing these guys, but they're just not putting in the work. Well, okay, but the coach is the player's boss and their job is to have you ready to play. So when you have a guy out there on the field who just looks lost. Darnell Savage comes to mind immediately. I think, yes, you can certainly attribute some of what's going on there to the player. But when you look at the whole safety room, they're not playing well. They don't look prepared. They're not in the right places. They are not executing basics like tackling. They don't seem to know what they're supposed to do. And I think that the same can be said of some of the other DBs as well. I think Rasul Douglas for uh, multiple games in the beginning of the year looked like he didn't have a darn clue what his responsibilities were on a given play. Sammy Watkins uh, against the Lions ran a couple of routes that made absolutely no sense. And you're looking at that and you're, you're going, either this guy is an idiot or his coach did not have him properly prepared to play well. So since the season has not gone very well to date, despite having one good game so far, there is a lot of blame to go around. So I do want to start on offense. Let's look at the quarterback position. Aaron Rodgers, uh, if he keeps playing like he played against Dallas, we have really no issues. But it comes on the heels of probably his worst game of the season, uh, probably his second worst game of the last several years uh, behind the Saints game last year. Aaron Rodgers looked completely lost. Uh, he didn't seem to be on the same page with any of his teammates, nor his uh, play caller, nor any of his coaches. He looked like he had not talked to anybody on the team for the entire week and then not studied the playbook. And then on top of that, taking his injured uh, finger and smacked it on the coffee table a few dozen times before the game began. That's what he looked like. We haven't seen enough of Jordan Love this season to make um, any sweeping declarations about how good he is now, you know, compared to in the preseason when I thought that he looked... Um, markedly improved over last year, but still had a ways to go. I don't think that you could ever look at a football team that has a Hall of Fame quarterback and a first-round pick sitting on the bench behind him and say that this is a failure of the GM to keep the roster stocked. Quarterback troubles right now, not good against fault. I think that there clearly are... Uh, things to blame Rodgers for, for his play throughout the uh, majority of the season. And the coaching and scheme does not seem designed to be supporting him. He doesn't have coaches uh, who are 
making him stick to a plan that makes any kind of sense against the opponents that they are facing. Um, he doesn't have a scheme uh, that has been uh, taking the weight off of his shoulders by uh, creating, uh, you know, easy uh, design plays, uh, you know, really uh, taking pa uh, uh, pressure off of the passing game by running the ball heavily. I think that the play calling and the scheme has contributed to struggles for Aaron Rodgers. And I think that the quarterback coaching he is receiving does not seem to be benefiting him. Jordan Love, if he got a start, I think would provide some context for us to be able to say, hey, look, uh, Jordan Love goes out there and it looks exactly the same or worse than when Rodgers is out there. Um, okay, probably the coaching and the scheme are even more to blame. Whereas if he went out there and all of a sudden the offense just started working, I think you would point more heavily toward Aaron Rodgers himself being the issue with the quarterback play. And I think probably both are true. We've seen Rodgers um, miss some pretty easy passes, uh, fail to see some wide open guys. And you look at that and you go, well, I don't really know that there's a, that is really uh, a product of the play calling. Uh, you know, I, probably he would be benefited by having a coach really spend time with him and figure out, okay, why are you missing the, these throws? Why are you not seeing these guys? What can we do to create a situation and a plan for you that is going to allow you to stop making these consistent mistakes? So I do blame the coaching uh, in large part for the Aaron Rodgers struggles. Now, everything else on the offense clearly factors in here. And you could go the direction of running back. You could go wide receiver. I'm choosing to... Focus on the offensive line. I think with the offensive line, we should have enough talent here to get the job done, especially when you see guys who are playing at a high enough level not consistently be used in the ways that are maximizing their strengths. For example, we are shifting Yash Nyman all over the place. Yes, you have a player quality issue in the, you know, uh, in consideration of Elton Jenkins is still clearly hurt. David Bakhtiari is still clearly hurt. And I think that Goody probably could have and should have done a better job stocking this room with talent for 2022. The offensive line has been a massive problem for the offense all year, uh, with the exception of one or two good games. And... I don't know that it's super surprising because I was extremely concerned and talked about it frequently on all my podcasts in the offseason about the uh, tackle depth. All right. That, well, we don't really have a right tackle. And the names that were thrown out there were Royce Newman, uh, Yash Nyman, Elton Jenkins. And I had pushbacks on all three of those and said, I don't think that what we have is actually enough to get the offensive line play that we need. Now, maybe it's going to work out great for the second half of the season, but you can't deny that for the first half of the season, the offensive line has held the offense back. 
when you are playing the guy that you want to be your right tackle at left tackle half or more of the time because David Bakhtiari can't play left tackle full time. All right, I'm sorry. That is a failure to supply enough talent to this offensive line. You knew David Bakhtiari was not fully healthy. You knew he had issues. You knew Elton Jenkins was not fully healthy. So to then say, well, our plan is Yash, and then hopefully we'll find somebody else as well to be our second tackle. And the result is you're bouncing Yash back and forth from left and right tackle for a lot of the season. That is a failure on the GM. I think it's also uh, an issue with the coaching. We moved Steno to offensive coordinator. Uh, Luke Butkus is our full-time offensive line coach. Shouldn't have been a huge drop-off. But you have several guys on this offensive line kind of playing worse than they ever have. And and uh, despite the asterisks you can put on Elton Jenkins' play with the injury he's still trying to get over and how that might be um, you know, causing confidence issues for him, could be compromising his athleticism. Despite those asterisks, he's still making some kind of dumb mistakes. And he's also being played or, or was being played when he was at right tackle at a position that he really has not ever played before. And I don't, I don't think that there was any point in time in the offseason where I ever voiced any support for playing Elton at right tackle. I thought that was dumb from the beginning. I was very vocal about saying, I don't think that that's best for Elton Jenkins. And I don't think it's best for the Packers to have him playing right tackle. Not this season. He has not done it for us. We don't know for sure he can do it just because he has been good at multiple other places on the offensive line. We don't know that he can just flip a switch and go start playing right tackle and will be anywhere close to as good as he was at left tackle. It is a different position. It's also a position that requires a lot of athleticism. We think he's going to be compromised because of his injury. I'd rather have him playing at guard if he is playing. All right, these were all concerns that I was very vocal about. And the Packers uh, coaching staff decided to go ahead and do it anyways, and, and it really didn't work. For the whole offensive line, I think that the biggest thing that has hurt them is the constant shuffling around of pieces. There, there's been a lack of health. Um, there's been a lack of willingness to stick with um, uh, offensive line combinations to give it enough, t- enough time to gel and start building some chemistry. They're shuffling around so much. I think it has really hurt the offensive line. The fact that they finally were able to get uh, two weeks in a row of the same five guys against uh, Detroit and Dallas, I think was a huge benefit in that Dallas game. Now, I, I don't know. Um, are Bakhtiari and Jenkins going to be able to turn it around on a short week and go play a Thursday night football game? I think that there is a uh, well over 50% chance that at least one of those guys uh, is not ready to go with just four days to, to recoup. I, I think that that is really asking a lot. So that, that chemistry might get shaken up again. But I really think that a lot of the issues that we have seen with the offensive line are things that a lot of fans are diagnosing themselves correctly. You know, and even looking at changing up the 
uh, order of who you have out there, you know, uh, <laughs> it, it's pretty plain to see, uh, even for an armchair coach and GM like me, who does not have any qualifications, that Zach Tom is best suited to play at left tackle. And to see that putting Yash out there at right tackle is going to be a massive improvement over what we've been getting from Elton Jenkins. It took them so long to make that change. I certainly have a lot less confidence in our offensive line coaching than I have in years past. And uh, and then the whole thing is undermined by a lack of talent in that room. Now, Brian Gutekunst thought that Sean Ryan, who we picked up in the third round, was going to be able to come in and make a difference right away. Well, Sean Ryan was the 19th offensive lineman taken in this draft. There were a lot of guys taken ahead of him who are doing more in the league right now. I I was uh, very vocal, very, very vocal leading up to the draft that I wanted us to take an offensive lineman in the first or second round of the draft and, pref- and, and the earlier the better because I viewed it as the number one biggest need we had. He waited until the third round and took the 19th offensive lineman on the board and then, you know, it turns out he's not actually performing. Now, I liked Zach Tom a ton. Zach Tom was a guy I really wanted. I was really glad we got him. Uh, and I think that him coming in and and playing to the level that he has has been a big deal. Um, I thought that he was going to be this good. Uh, so, yeah, I think that that redeems stuff to an extent. But he's not even a starter for us. You know, you, you look at uh, guys like uh, Tyler Smith. I was big on he's starting for the Cowboys doing a really good job. Uh, you look at the offensive linemen that uh, Seattle nabbed. Now, granted, those were really early. They they got Equanu uh, 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 at pick six. Obviously, that was never going to happen. But they also took Abraham Lucas, who's been playing quite well. They took him before Sean Ryan. Uh, I liked Abraham Lucas. You know, and, and another big question here is what is going on with Sean Ryan? Why isn't he? Um, you know, even a consideration to get playing time. What's going on with that? The coaching staff are not getting asked about him. I I don't understand what's going on there. With the wide receivers, I think we all kind of know the deal there. The biggest issue there has been player talent. Now, Christian Watson has missed a lot of time. So is that... Brian Gutekind's fault that uh, the guy he picked to come in and be the guy has been hurt and missed so much time. No, that that's not his fault. I think the rest of the wide receiver room has been a lot worse than we were thinking they would be. I think we're all pretty tired of seeing wide receivers running into each other. That is a clear coaching issue. I'm not sure what the heck Jason Vrabel is doing um, during practice in the week if he's got these mistakes happening over and over and over again where guys just don't understand the routes they're supposed to be running like that's baffling to me and it's what's crazy is that it's not just the rookies it's the vets who are doing it too so that's that's wild and Sammy Watkins running wrong routes I mean he's been in the league for so long I don't know what is going on with the wide receiver coaching you also have a scheme component here we are not running the ball like we should be Thankfully, we did it against Dallas. That took a massive load off of the wide receivers 
in that game. But this wide receiver room was never designed to do what they're being asked to do, which is be the offense. They're supposed to be a complementary feature to the offense. It was going to be uh, very running back and tight end heavy. Aaron Jones was going to be a huge uh, uh, factor in the passing game. Um, A.J. Dillon was going to be getting way more uh, reps, especially uh, receiving reps, than what he's been getting. I think the scheme of the play calling has has probably probably been the biggest issue there, combined with the fact that Aaron Rodgers does not seem to be on the same page with his guys. And I'm not going to dive into all the theories for why he's not on the same page with them. I think we can just agree that he's not on the same page with them. Tight end is an interesting position to talk about on, on the offense because I think that they have been, you know, kind of okay. Even Tyler Davis, who, I mean, was nobody's favorite uh, in the preseason. Uh, I certainly was upset that we were carrying him in. He's He's been fine. He's been fine. He's uh, not even been our worst uh, tight end. I don't really want to tell you who our two worst tight ends are because some people are going to be mad, but... Tunyon and Mercedes have the two lowest grades in the tight end room. I think the talent has been good enough. I think that it would have helped the offense a lot to have a guy like Darren Waller, who Goody has made a bunch of efforts to try and go get. But I think the tight end play has been serviceable. I don't think that, you know, if you look at all the problems going on with the offense, I don't think that tight end would really cross your mind. It seems for the most part, like most of the issues on offense have to do with communication. So I'm going to put blame on the coaches for that. Uh, guys missing time or just kind of some thin rooms in general, looking at wide receiver and offensive line. Okay, I will um, I will blame the GM for that. On the whole, the offense's problems feel fixable and mostly seem to come down to just a lack of preparedness. You got a lot of mental mistakes, a lot of turnovers, a lot of guys just not knowing what any of their teammates are doing. And I, I really do blame the coaching for that. I think the, the biggest issue with the offense this year has been coaching. And if you're trying to blame the talent level for the issues this year, I would go ahead and highlight that if you're trying to compare the uh, player grades from last year to this year, they are remarkably similar. If you go through the position groups, uh, the wide receivers uh, are worse this year, obviously because Devante isn't there, but the rest of the wide receiver room is actually playing at a higher level for the most part this year than they were last year. Uh, Al Nazard uh, notably has a 683 overall grade his run blocking is uh suffering and that kind of drags his grade down but as a as a pure um uh, receiver he's got a 73.8 that's a pretty big leap from last year when he had a 63.9 he has gotten better this year by uh, about 10 points the rest of the wide receiver room is about the same or slightly better across the board minus the big subtraction of Devante. No surprises there. We knew Devontae was going to be a huge loss. Moving on to the tight ends. I think the tight ends um, are actually better across the board this year with two notable exceptions. One is that Mercedes Lewis has dropped by 20 points from 75 
down to 55. That's, yes, it's a problem, but it's also not a surprise. His 75 grade last year was a surprise. The other huge uh, difference is the subtraction of Dominique Daphne. He played 175 snaps for us last year, which was third in the tight end room. He had a 68 overall grade. He's gone, and the next highest grade in the tight end room this year is uh, 59.4 for Josiah Deguara. So that is, I think, a pretty big loss. I've never understood why they moved on from Daphne. That baffled me at the time and still baffles me now. The offensive line, uh, let's see, the tackles this year, uh, we have had three guys playing significant time at tackle. Obviously, it's Elton, Bach, and Yash. Uh, Elton's a 67, Bach's an 80, and Yash is a 64. Compare that last year. You also had, uh, let's see, you had four, really four guys who had any kind of substantial playing time. Billy Turner at 866, uh, graded out at a 67.1. He, I guess if if you're trying to find the replacement for him this year, really it would be uh, Bakhtiari, would be the guy you swapped out. because Elton played a half a year last year, and so far he's played about a half a year this year. So Billy Turner for David Bakhtiari. So that is a, a uh, decent improvement. Uh, box at an 80 this year. Billy was down at a 67 last year. So I think getting 13 points there from one of your starting tackles is a pretty big boost, and it's coming from your uh, left tackle this year. So that's good. Uh, Yash, where's Yash? Yash is at a 64 this year, last year, he was at a 63. So basically the same guy. Uh, Elton, pretty big drop off. Uh, last year, he was our highest graded offensive lineman at 82. This year, he's at 67. So he has been improving. Uh, but no question that the Elton we've gotten this year is nothing like the Elton we got uh, last year. Uh, the only other guy to factor in last year was Dennis Kelly, who actually graded out at a 72 on the season that's over 360 snaps at tackle so we just don't have that period this year um which i i think you know i, I was just complaining about tackle depth so it does matter um but on the whole i think that i think the tackles are equitable enough this year especially when you look at the uh, getting Bakhtiari back and he's played uh, 370 snaps so far i think it's equitable enough that we shouldn't have seen a drop off in tackle play just based on player grades. I think the biggest uh, issue you've seen uh, in the drop off of tackle play has been the inconsistency of who is out there. And of course, Elton is listed as a tackle, but now he's playing guard snaps and that's where he's been better. So if you look at his grades only when he was a tackle, it was much worse. It was, uh, I think, mid 50s. So. Uh, the, the other two things to talk about on the offense are Aaron Rodgers. He finished the season last year with an 89.4 this year. He is at a 79.0. So 10 points is not insignificant, uh, especially when it's the most important player on offense. Uh, but we know the deal. Rodgers has not looked like himself for most of the year. He just had a really good game. It's his most recent game. We will see if he continues to uh, improve. The one 
thing that I think is worth noting is that on the whole year last year, Rodgers was penalized three times. He's already been penalized four times this year. Uh, you know, obviously those are delay games. We're, and we're only halfway through the season. Plus the interceptions. Um, he already has uh, way more interceptions this year um, in half a season than he did in all of the season last year. So that has been another big negative for the quarterback play. Looking at the running back backs, this is where you see the biggest nosedive. Last year, our highest graded uh, running back was A.J. Dillon with an 86.2. Uh, Dillon is down to a 70.7. And um, a lot of that uh, positivity has come from really just four games, his first two of the season and then two of the last three, Buffalo and Dallas. The rest of the season, he has been grading out pretty poorly. So he's been getting a boost from just those those four games. Uh, Aaron Jones has gotten better this year uh, by five points, improving from 82 to 87. A.J. Dillon has gotten about 10 points worse. And then uh, Patrick Taylor is the only other running back for either year. Uh, and he had a 79 last year. I thought he played quite well. This year in his time out there, where the heck did he go? This is killing me. Here we go, running back. Uh, he has only played one snap, so I don't think his grade really matters. The biggest difference is that we just don't have a running back three and haven't had one all year, which I think is weird since our plan going into this season was to run the ball a lot, and then you only carry two running backs into the season, and even when you do have Patrick Taylor on the roster, you don't use him. I just think that's weird. And it's weird to me how few carries Jones or Dylan have been getting this season compared to what we thought they were going to get. All right, bringing up the rear on offense would be the interior of the offensive line. You got one guy who has a good grade, and that is Zach Tom. Well, wait, what about John Runyon? He's got a 62.9, um, and that grade is really dragged down by the fact that he is the lowest graded run blocker on the team. Uh... Take that back. He is half a point, half a point ahead of Yash Nyman. So Zach Tom, the only offensive lineman with a good grade on the interior. Royce is at a 58. Runyon's a 62. Hansen, who is on IR and hopefully will remain there, at a 47. If he does come off, I just want them to cut him. I don't think he provides anything at all. I don't think any other team in the league would want him. Dude needs to be flipping burgers. He's not a, an NFL football player. I don't get it. Josh Myers, uh, 61.4. He has improved. He's the only guy who's improved. Josh Myers last year was a 54.9. He is at a 61.4 now, so a boost of about five points. And his pass blocking has improved from 65 to 73. His run blocking has also improved. 49 up to 56. Um... You know what? It's not Creed Humphrey, and he's always going to be compared to Creed Humphrey because of the draft, but I like seeing the improvement there. I really think that if we can continue to get some consistency of having the same five offensive linemen out there, we can see uh, continued growth from this offensive line to the point where maybe they really can be a strength. Health is going to be a big deal. I think the Packers sh probably should not play Elton or Bakhtiari in this game play the long game here, uh, focus on getting them healthy. They'll have a long time to recover uh, 
after the Thursday night game before the next time they play a game of football. I think that that is really key. I know that we're trying to sneak into the playoffs, but what's the point of getting into the playoffs if you don't have tackles? Because we've seen over the last two years what happens if you go to the playoffs without tackles. So I would sit them, but I'm not a coach. And uh, like I said, I don't have a ton of faith in our offensive line coaching at the moment. So we'll see what they decide to do there. Hey, U.S. Cellular customers, I've got good news. So don't hit skip forward just yet. I'm talking about their special customer event, Us Days. What's Us Days? It means exclusive offers just for their customers, just to say thanks, like up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. No, I didn't just misread that. That's up to $1,200 off. They must really like you. Us Days at U.S. Cellular, exclusive offers just for you, just to say thanks. Right now, U.S. Cellular customers get up to $1,200 to upgrade to any new phone. Terms apply. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ah, mmm. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com. That's the offense. Uh, That one took a long time because the offense, I think, is the more complex side of the ball this year. On defense, it's a little bit easier to see where the problems are coming from. Let's start with safety because I think that's that's the biggest thing in everybody's minds. Uh, Darnell Savage has completely fallen off. he last year had a 57.3 and we were frustrated with that kind of thought it could only go up from there wrong. We're down to a 47.7. The only bright spot in the safety room last year was Adrian Amos who finished the year with a 74.3 overall grade, a 73 coverage grade. He had an 87 tackling grade. There have been plays where I really liked what he did this year, but on the whole, Compared to what he was a year ago, Amos has been, I would describe him as kind of useless this season. 55 overall grade, 54 coverage grade. His tackling is down to a 52, down from that impressive 87 last year, which is you know borderline elite. Um, his, his Across the board, he's been subpar. The only bright spot in the safety room this year has been Rudy Ford. We'll see if that continues um, as he gets more playing time. You know, his his one game so far that we've seen with him as a starter certainly was encouraging. He's played 131 snaps total. The other starting safeties are uh, right around 600 apiece. This safety room, I think you have two people to blame for. Maybe three. First is Brian Gutekunst. I still am baffled that they didn't draft a safety this year. 
it was one of my biggest needs. Offensive line and safety were my top two biggest needs for this team. They waited until the third and fourth rounds to address offensive line. They didn't touch safety at all, unless you uh, count hybrid linebacker safety Tariq Carpenter as any kind of a patch for the safety line. Then they didn't bring anybody in, in free agency until after the season started with Rudy Ford. Man, this is a this is a mess. They didn't have enough guys. They they only had two safeties um, heading into the year. You need more than two safeties on the roster. This is a position that plays uh, basically every single snap of defense the entire game. You need to have more depth there for if a guy goes out. And we had a lot of concerns about the way Darnell Savage ended the season. Uh, he really has only had one actually good year so far in his career, and that was 2020. The rest of his career, he has been, you know, at best, a guy that you're hoping is going to continue developing. Uh, this absolutely was unacceptable. I was confused why we didn't uh, sign Amos to an extension before this season. However, I'm kind of changing my tune on that now. I'm maybe glad that we're not tied to him long-term based on the way he's playing right now. I still really want and hope and believe that he's going to turn things around. Looking at his week-to-week grades, there was a period in the middle of the season where it looked like he was kind of turning things around. Unfortunately, he's going backwards. Uh, his last uh, really good game was week six against the Jets. Uh, where he posted a 73 grade since then, 66, 40, 64, 56. Um, I don't know, man. I'm I'm losing faith that he's going to turn it around. He's a bit of an older guy. Maybe, you know, at almost 30 years old, it's just catching up to him. I don't know. Uh, but the safety play has been abysmal. And I'm just going to point a finger also at Ryan Downard, our new safeties coach. It is unbelievable to me that our safety play this year is worse than it was a year ago when we literally did not have a safeties coach. No safeties coach in 2021. We hire a guy and the safety play gets worse. I'm sorry, man. He's not doing his job. Um, I'm not saying he has to be fired, but his bosses, you know, looking at Joe Barry, looking at Matt LaFleur, they need to have a way closer eye on what the heck is going on there and get involved and figure out what the plan is to turn this around. And Goody has brought in Jonathan Abram, who I don't think we're going to get anything out of, but I was still glad that we went out and got him. He brought in Rudy Ford, who has been a smashing success. If Amos starts playing better and Rudy Ford continues playing well, I think that your safety problems are patched up enough to the point where it's not going to cost you games. But uh, Darnell Savage has been a problem. We'll see, uh, you know, if this full-time switch to slot corner really does help anything. He graded out, uh, let's see, fourth worst of the season um, this past week. So over the last four weeks of the season, really, actually, we'll go back five. Uh, going back over the last five games, 64, 74, 51, 60, and then in the slot corner, back position uh down to a 55 again so i don't know we'll we'll see his his tackling grade was decent i didn't the few times i noticed him in the cowboys game it was because he was giving up a big play or giving up a first down after we thought that we had the guy tackled uh behind the line gain so i don't know 
Safety is the biggest issue. The next biggest issue I'll point to probably has to be edge. And again, I'll just say this is an issue where I'm going to point the finger at Goody. Um, because we came into the season with pretty much just Preston and Rashawn and then Kingsley. And I had concerns about that because you need more than two pass rushers. Um, and the, and, and although I really liked Kingsley in the draft and I would have been okay with him in the second round and I would have been okay with him as our third pass rusher, that is not how the Packers felt. That's not how Goody felt. He waited until the back of the fifth round to take him. He was not super high on him as a prospect. He had the opportunity to draft him um, and traded out of that pick. And then the guy still ended up being there, and that's when he took him. And the coaches were not giving Kingsley a lot of time in um, you know, in the, the preseason on the, on the first string defense. Uh, we're not giving him any kind of opportunities that would suggest that they had any confidence in him. So although I liked Kingsley and I thought he was good enough and although it looks like he probably is and is, is becoming that, I don't know how the Packers could go into this season saying, well, we have two guys and we got a third guy we don't really believe in, but those two guys are going to be enough. I don't think that's the case. I think you need three guys. And now with Rashawn, you know, you get this plus minus Rashawn is out and Kingsley seems to be stepping up and kind of, you know, becoming a, a dude. Well, you're down to just two. Like, do, do we do we actually think that Jonathan Garvin is the answer here? He's got a 51 overall grade, 46 in run defense. The one thing he does well is uh, tackle. He's got an 80 tackling grade. That's second highest on the whole defense. Hooray. I'm glad that he can tackle well. Um, but he's also only played 111 snaps. That's more, that is less than half of what Kingsley's getting. Uh, just over half. Just over half of what Kingsley's getting. It's like 50.001. Now you couple that with Brian Gutekunst expected Preston to have a down year. That That's kind of what he told us. That he was not expecting a banner year from Preston. So you got Rashawn, who you think and hope is going to be the best in the league. And I think he really was on that course for a good portion of the season before he got hurt. You got Preston, who you were expecting to have a down year. And... Turns out you were correct. He has had a down year. Uh, his tackling grade is, let's see, it's not technically the worst on the team. Uh, it is the worst of any starters, and it is the worst by far of anybody on the team getting any kind of significant snaps except for TJ Slayton. And Rashawn has 378 snaps. Slayton has 189. That 31.9 tackling grade is abysmal. So I have questions about why the coaches are not helping Preston do a better job of tackling. Most of the rest of the defense has overcome their tackling woes, but the edge room really has not. So Kingsley is a very good tackler. He's got an 80.7 tackling grade. Jonathan Garvin. Oh, you know what? Earlier when I read uh, Garvin's tackling grade, I was looking at Kingsley. So Garvin's a 74. Thankfully, he still is a good tackler, so my point can kind of still stand. But but extra props for Kingsley because he's the guy with the 80 tackling grade. Those are the only two edges uh, on the roster who are doing a good job of tackling. 
Uh, Ladarius has only had 19 snaps, but he's got a 21.7 tackling grade. Uh, Rashawn had a 44.9. That was the only area of his game that was a, a big problem, and it was a big problem. And then Preston's sitting at 31.9. So when the whole room is struggling at something, I do point my finger at the coaches. So uh, what's the guy's name? Rebervich. Is it Jason Rebervich? I think that's the his first name. Our new um, edge coach. Um, I have an issue with him that your entire uh, position group is struggling at tackling. So get that cleaned up. Now the cornerbacks have been, I, I, I would say, a pretty big problem. And I am really inclined to blame the scheme. I think that's my biggest beef. I don't think you're seeing a ton of the same mistakes being made over and over and over again with the cornerbacks. So I'm not really inclined to blame the coaching in terms of how they're being prepped throughout the week. And we know these are talented players. I'm not frustrated with Gudikins for how he stocked that room. I think the scheme has been bad for the corners. Jair is still getting a lot of love. Um, I, I think that his play has been inconsistent. Sometimes he's great. Sometimes he's not so great. I think he's been inconsistent. Stokes really was struggling this year. Um, that, obviously, you're looking at, at a young guy. Um, uh, needs, to, needs to be developed. You have some concerns, probably, about you know where, where his development is at right now. He seems to have taken a step back from last year. When his grade on the season was a 65, he's down to a 53 this year. And notably, his run defense, you know, which is not the primary thing that you care about with a cornerback, but he's got a 33 run defense grade, and he is at being asked to help out on run defense. Last year was a 50, so to drop 20 points, that to me is a big problem. Um, so, you know, maybe a talent issue there, but not something that uh, Gudikins should have anticipated. And even had he anticipated it, okay, well, you have Rasul on the roster there. They clearly have enough talent in the cornerback room. No problems with um, how Gudikin stocked that room. He also has uh, other guys in that room like Keyshawn Nixon, who I really liked as a slot corner option. Um, you know, right now we're doing an experiment with Darnell Savage in the slot. I would not be opposed to seeing Keyshawn uh, go play a full-time role there in the slot. <sighs> for you know some of the rest of the season and, and see how that goes if the Darnell Savage doesn't the thing doesn't work out. But looking at the scheme, we got some massive problems in how our cornerbacks have been being used. First of all, Rasul in the slot has been a complete and utter disaster. And it didn't change until they their hand was forced by the injury to Eric Stokes. Rasul should not be playing in the slot. He shouldn't have been playing the slot for the last six weeks. It was a weird idea to pitch to begin with, and it has not worked out at all. I think Rasul has been pretty dreadful in the slot. It's not maximizing any of his strengths. Um, I don't think that uh, playing him there is the best use of Rasul, and I don't think it's the best slot cornerback play we can get. I think that Keyshawn Nixon is a better slot corner than Rasul is. The other issue that I have with the scheme you know, we have a lot of first downs being given up in uh, on, on third down when we are bringing heavy pressure. A lot of the time, fans are complaining about our corners playing off coverage, 
uh, complaining about, you know, why why aren't you playing more man? Why are you playing so much zone? Why are you playing so off coverage? Why aren't you, uh, you know, uh, pressing the receivers? And I think most of the time I really disagree with that, and, and I don't think it's actually an issue. But in some obvious get the ball out of your hands quick passing situations, third and nine, and we're bringing five or six guys in on the pass rush, why are you lined up 12 yards deep? It's stupid. That is obviously a situation where you need to jam the wide receivers and make sure there's nowhere for the quarterback to go with the ball right away. And and, it, and and I wouldn't be harping about it in this segment, except that it happens so frequently. And we all know it's a huge issue. So it, I, I think that there are things about our scheme that are smart and that work well. And I think that playing off coverage, playing zone – does kind of tend to play to our strengths as a secondary. And I think that some of the uh, pressures that Joe Barry is dialing up with the uh, linebackers and blitzing safeties and, and how he's using the uh, tackles and, and the, and the edge rushers. I think some, sometimes it's really clever. I don't think that the, the defensive seam is good enough. And right now we have a deficit of talent. I think on the defensive side of the ball with Rashawn out because nobody else was playing up to their ability before Rashawn left. And now he's not there. And I think the defense is probably going to play a lot worse. They were not great against the lions. They were not good against the Cowboys. It's really weird to point to a defense with this many first round picks and say, Oh, there's a, a lack of talent. I think there is a lack of talent in some areas of the field that we had concerns about preseason. We were frustrated about the safety room and the edge rusher room preseason. And I think that those are kind of going worse than, than we thought they would. The linebackers, I think, is an interesting thing to talk about. Because I, I am absolutely no kind of, of linebacker expert, so... I uh, shot a message over to uh, Coach Hahn and to uh, Sam Holman asking them, you know, what, how would you evaluate what's going wrong with the linebackers so far this year? You know, do you blame it on uh, scheme or coaching or talent? Uh, Sam uh, very helpfully wrote a, a, a nice long answer back to me. Um, He's talking about uh, some of the growing pains that Quay has, has experienced, but, ultimately was relatively uh, positive, especially talking about his growth going forward. Uh, obviously with Devondre out, now they're having to play um, more Isaiah McDuffie. Isaiah McDuffie, I think, does a pretty good job in run defense. Uh, but Sam pointed out that McDuffie has been late in some of his coverage assignments, which as soon as he said it, it kind of clicked and, and made sense to me that, yep, I have seen that. But here's what Sam had to say. He said, I don't love how Barry sets up his run fits. He lets the defensive line penetrate more rather than trying to hold uh, doubles or play more conservative. If the D-line was making more splash plays, it might work. But right now, it just ends up with guys out of position and the linebackers hung out to dry with an offensive lineman freely climbing and the back hitting the hole fast. Man, if that doesn't just sound like what we've seen out of opposing offenses all year against the Packers. I think the Packers have a decent guy in 
McDuffie. I think that he's done a good job in Devondre's absence. Uh, Devondre has not been the same player this year that he was a year ago, and I think that has really hurt the defense in a big way. Uh, the biggest issue, of course, has been Devondre's uh, tackling. It sticks out like a sore thumb. He's got a 49.6 tackling grade on the season, and he's missed 10 tackles, which is a 13% missed tackle rate, which is quite high. Last year, Devondre Campbell had a 90.6 tackling grade. He missed a total of four tackles on the season. That is 2.8% missed tackle rate. This has been, I think, maybe the single biggest change in the linebacker room. And, and with it being kind of a linebacker-driven defense, to no longer have that rock-solid guy in the middle who just is a, a drive killer, I think it has changed the DNA of the defense. Now, I have never liked Kirk Olavidati, our linebackers coach. I think we've gotten bad to really bad linebacker play every single year since he got here, with the exception of last year when Devondre and Devondre alone had a really good grade. I don't think we have a good linebackers coach. I think that having Joe Barry, who is a former linebackers coach here, helps with the linebackers, but I don't... The, the nicest, best thing I can say about Kirk Olavidati is that he helped co-call the defense with Jerry Gray in that Cardinals game last year. So we're talking about him helping out with something in one game last year. And then one linebacker uh, in his room had an all pro year. And I would say basically nobody else that Olvidati has ever worked with has even played adequately ever. Looking at this year, it's a little bit better than normal. Isaiah McDuffie has a 66.9 grade. He is tackling well. He's only played 130 snaps. Uh, Eric Wilson is a new addition that we brought in. He's played just 24 snaps total, but he uh, is grading out at 64.3. Chris Barnes has been a disaster. We're not going to talk about him. Uh, Quay Walker, young guy. You can make a lot of excuses for his play. I think that he is playing better the longer the season goes on, but he's struggling just because there are valid excuses for why you're not good. doesn't mean you're going to become good in the future. I think coaching is a problem with the linebackers. I think that, uh, overall, uh, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll defer to Sam Holman because I have, have said a bunch of times, I'm not any kind of a, a, a good evaluator of linebackers. I, I try to keep quiet most of the time when people are talking about linebackers because, I think it's a very difficult position to break down. But Sam's not a fan of what the scheme is doing. And, and he thinks that, uh, you know, I, I asked him to, to give me a percentage of blame. And he said, well, it varies week to week. But 60 to 65% of the problems are scheme related. Well, when you have had guys missing time and you're starting a rookie linebacker and it's still 65% scheme to blame, even with those issues. Man, that's just inexcusable. All right, I'm not going to talk about special teams because we are way over time. Um, but I think it's been interesting to compare. You know, I went through position group by position group and, and how the grades have changed uh, this year to last year on offense. I'm going to do that real quick for defense because I found it illuminating on the offensive side and I think it highlighted you know that okay so uh, 
in many places, the guys are not playing much worse on offense than they were a year ago. Therefore, I blame uh, scheme, play calling, and, and 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 some coaching as well. A lot of it on coaching on the offensive side of the ball. Let's look at the defensive side of the ball and how the uh, position groups have, have changed. So the safeties uh, this year, you've got uh, 59, 62, 47. That's Darnell. Uh, 55 is Amos. And then 89 is Ford. Last year, your safety room, uh, Shamar Jean Charles, 45. This year, he's at 62. Uh, Darnell Savage, 57 last year. He's down to 47 this year. Henry Black, no longer on the team, but 45 last year. Adrian Amos, down from 74 last year to 55 this year. The safety room got markedly worse. And that's not a big surprise. Uh, the linebacker play has is, is one of the other... Uh, pretty stark differences between last year and this year. And the big difference is that last year, everybody was terrible except Devondre, who was amazing. This year, you've got a handful of guys who are playing uh, pretty decent. Oren Burks, 53. He's no longer with the team. Chris Barnes, 53. This year, he's down to a 29. Ty Summers, 26. He's no longer with the team. Devondre Campbell, 85. This year, he's down to a 76. Jalen Smith, 34, he's no longer with the team. So, looking at the new guys, Quay Walker comes in at a 52. I think, um, you know, if you're looking for any kind of a, of a comparison, it really would be Chris Barnes. Uh, he was a 53 last year. Uh, Quay Walker is a 52 this year. They both have played similar number of snaps halfway. Uh, well, really, so Chris Barnes played 560 snaps on the whole season. Quay is at 479 right now. Uh, so, uh, you know, Chris, Chris missed some time last year. Uh, Oren Burks filled in and was terrible. Uh, Jalen Smith barely played, but he was terrible. Ty Summers barely played. He was terrible. Um, Isaiah McDuffie only had one defensive snap last year. This year, Isaiah McDuffie is at 130 snaps and he's got a 66 grade. The linebacker room is, um, I guess improved from a depth standpoint, which it shouldn't be surprising. Um, but that top-end talent is just not there because Devondre Campbell has regressed so much from a year ago. Looking at the edge rusher group, last year you had uh, Rashawn at an 89. This year he regressed down to, where the heck is Rashawn? There he is, uh, 82. So just loss of seven points, but obviously the bigger loss is that he only got to play 370 snaps before we lost him for the season. Last year he played 722 snaps. Zadarius, last year, 56, he's gone. Chauncey Rivers, 56, he's gone. Whitney Merciless, I think this is a big loss. 119 snaps last year, 65.9 grade, he's gone. Uh, Ladarius Hamilton, last year, 62.9 grade. That comes on 64 snaps. So far this year, he's only played 19 snaps, but he's grading out at 29.9. I'll give him some more time to kind of get up to speed and see if he's just having a rough start, but that's not great. Uh, let's see. Uh, Tipa, technically still on the team, has not played on uh, on defense at all, which at this point is, like, mind-boggling. That Now we have lost Rashawn. Kobe Jones got a, got a snap, and he's not even on the team. Tipa has not played a single snap for us on defense. He's only a special teams player. 
Last year, he had a 77.1 grade, and he was our highest graded run defender on the team outside of Devondre Campbell. He was also one of our highest graded tacklers last year. That came on 152 snaps, not a tiny sample size. This year, he still exists. He's not being used at all. He's gotten zero snaps. I think that's very strange. So the linebacker room, or the outside linebacker room on the whole, I think is playing uh, a bit worse because Rashawn Gary had an 89.8. Um, that was, uh, and, and that includes a 90.1 pass rush grade. This year, Preston is down to. Did I say mention we're talking about Preston? I, th- I might have said Rashawn. I'm talking about Preston. This year, Preston is down 30 points, down to a 62.7. His pass rush grade is a putrid 62.4. His tackling grade is 31.9. I'm not really sure what's going on uh, there, uh, but we were expecting him to have a bit of a regression year. It's been a big regression year. So subtract Whitney Merciless, subtract Tipa Nalii. Uh, subtract uh, the fact that we had Rashawn Gary all year last year and now he's done for the season and you're left with just a badly regressed Preston Smith and whatever you're going to get out of Kingsley and Agbar for the rest of the season. The, the outside linebacker room has taken a big step back. Hopefully Kingsley can continue to play well and improve and hopefully Preston figure out, figures out some of his problems. The uh, D-tackle room was bad last year. The only good guy... Let me see. Where's, uh, this must be wrong, because where's Kenny Clark? Ah, yes, here's Kenny Clark. So Kenny Clark um, had a 75.4 uh, grade. Dean Lowry had a 66.8. This year, Kenny Clark is sitting at a 61.1, and he is boosted by the fact that he started off the season quite hot. His grades through 10 weeks, 70, 78, 87, 48, 77, 69, 62, 37, 32, 47. Dude has fallen off a cliff. I'm not sure if he's nursing an injury. Uh, I'm not sure if he's just not feeling it, but we're not getting anything out of him. He's got 61.1, and that is boosted by the fact that he had a strong start to the season. That's going to continue to go down if he continues playing at the level he has been. Dean Lowry, last year, 66. He's down to a 64, so basically the same player. Uh, Let's see. We lost Abdullah Anderson. We're not playing Jack Heflin. We lost Tyler Lancaster. We cut Kingsley Kiki, who was at a 63. Those other guys were all in the high 40s to low 50s. Um, The the additions we have made are Devontae Wyatt, who's graded out at 66 on 81 plays. Uh, TJ Slayton, I don't think I touched on, but Slayton last year had a 52. This year he's got a 52. He was a 52.8 last year. He's 52.6 this year. So huge change from, from TJ Slayton. My goodness. You know, what's, what's going on with his uh, off season routine? If he's changing a whole point two points, <laughs> uh, but Jaron Reed is the obvious big addition here along with Devonte Wyatt, Jaron Reed, 426, uh, snaps, 63.1 grade. Um, if you're looking at who that would have replaced last year, it's basically a combination of Kingsley Kiki and Tyler Lancaster. You kind of mush those two guys together and you got Jaron Reed and he's grading out about the same as those two guys were last year. So, uh, Devante Wyatt is an addition to this, uh, this defensive tackle room, but Kenny Clark is playing much worse. And I think that's the biggest difference you're going to see on the interior there. And then the cornerbacks, uh, basically 
playing worse across the board. Uh, Kevin King actually graded out quite well last year. He was 71 overall, 72 run defense, 78 tackling, 74 uh, pass rush, and 68 coverage. He did quite well for us on 311 snaps last year. We didn't bring him back. Nobody signed him. Rasul Douglas uh, has regressed from a 74 to a 68. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I, I, we're not getting the same benefit out of him. The, the, the big thing last year was that you were benefiting from his ball hawking opportunities. He had a lot of pass deflections. Um, he had a lot of uh, interceptions last year. And he's not providing any of that. And th- this was the big question was if he continues to play at the same ability that he did a year ago, but he's not get generating those turnovers and those crucial uh, pass breakups that you were getting a year ago. Is that loss going to be felt? And the answer is clearly yes. I also think that although PFF is grading him about the same in the slot as they did uh, on the boundary a year ago, I'm just going to tell you that for me, the eye test doesn't, doesn't uh, it doesn't pass. He, he, he's, he's, I think very clearly, uh, physically outmatched in the slot going to going against these, uh, small speedy guys. You're seeing some benefit from him when he's trying to cover a tight end. That's like the one change. Uh, it is nice to have a big body guy in there when he's covering a tight end, but, uh, the slot corners have, uh, been able to kind of do whatever they want. Most notably, uh, in the Vikings, Jets, and Giants games, we were just getting killed, absolutely killed over the middle. And, uh, and, and, you know, Rasul is supposed to be a part of the solution to that, and I don't think he was at all. So I really think that, you know, on offense, you got uh, scheme issues and coaching issues. On the defense, I'm largely, you know, just saying, like, look, the, the level to which guys are playing has regressed a lot this year compared to last year. So I do blame the scheme since it's affecting the entire roster. I do blame coaching in a couple of specific position groups like edge and safety um, and linebacker. So really basically just not corner and not uh, defensive line, (laughs) basically where we're not picking uh, problems with the coaching. But then there's a couple spots as well, uh, safety and edge, where it really is a talent issue. So, um, the, the defense is a mess, man. And they have way, way too many, uh, first round picks on that defense to be getting this kind of production from them. I, I have more concerns about the defense moving forward than I do about the offense, just mostly based on how the Dallas game went. And that's the most recent information we have to try and evaluate this team. So I hope that you found this, um, as informative and as enlightening as I did. I wasn't really sure what I was going to find when I went through and analyzed where the team is better and worse than they were a year ago. What are your thoughts? Were you surprised? Is this kind of what you're expecting or were there some things in there that kind of blew your mind? I'm going to get out of here. You guys have a fantastic day. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at JJ Leahy. And if you enjoyed this show, please consider becoming a Patreon uh, supporter. Patreon.com slash JJ Leahy, L-A-H-E-Y. Uh, I know times are tough, and uh, you know, certainly uh, some some supporters who um, have been around for a while uh, who are, are not able to currently meet those obligations. Uh, I get it, uh, but uh, anybody out there 
is a fan of this and, and wants to help continue to make this show possible, I uh, would greatly appreciate it. So uh, thank you very much for listening, and I'll talk to you guys all next week.